0: Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is Seth Stewart. How are you, Seth? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Are you I had fine? A cookie. You had yeah, you shared your cookie <laughs> I with did me, share and cookie. I was very honored by that. Um, from a local there's, bakery, there's
1: this is really great bakery, and they just make great.
0: They cookies. do, and it's all whole wheat. It's and really, you would think that like no, whole wheat no, would no. make it taste worse, and it's so much better. So if you're in Oklahoma City, Big Sky to, Bakery. Big Sky Bakery. It's, there's a free plug. It's free. Hashtag yeah. not sponsored.
1: <laughs> hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> Uh No, what uh, very few people would dare sponsor us that's very true they never know what's going to come out of our mouth
0: that's right because they they're like who would want to sponsor a podcast about land allotments <laughs> there's <laughs> <Big> our segue <laughs> big, big sky, sky got... bakery land allotments uh, we're in we're in <laughs> we, could, we could we could put some wheat in those in that land some <laughs> whole wheat wow this is off to a good start it's as as it, as it be. always as is as it
1: always is Uh um, yes so let yeah. me
0: uh, so this is this is one of the largest chunks of Joshua.
1: It is, chapter 13 to chapter 21, basically. Yes,
0: we're going to stop at 19 because 20 and 21 have kind of... Unless it, we're feeling spicy. Unless we get spicy. And we have, we, have, have, about, we have a lot to talk about, though. So, we have a lot to talk about. I was listening
1: to a sermon series one time through Joshua uh-huh. where my pastor was preaching through Joshua, and he yes. got to chapter 13 and then just said, actually, I'm not going to preach on the next eight chapters because this, nothing really happens here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really interested in seeing, like, What you pulled out of this, because cards on the table, I have literally not studied for this particular podcast. Don't
0: stop the podcast. I have studied. David
1: has gone on a deep... I delegated all the devotional writing on him. He's done all the study for this. I've read it. Yes. I have a list of questions. Okay, great. But no answers, and uh, not a ton. I'm just really excited to discover Jesus in a text about pasturelands, because you'll read that word like thirty times.
0: <laughs> and you walked. He walked around the Spoken Gospel offices, listening to Joshua on audio pod or on, on like an audio Bible in yep. in his headphones. He walked back in to the office, just going pasturelands, pasturelands. It's like one of those words lands. that
1: doesn't sound like a word after you hear it so many times. Pasturelands,
0: pasturelands, pasturelands. So yes, um, uh, we so we just had this big conquest narrative where the literary speed of the book took off and what used to take several chapters to explain uh, one battle. Yeah, one city,
1: one battle of one city.
0: Yes, now it's half a verse for an entire king that gets destroyed, and it's like uh, where we had just done Jericho and Ai, now we have a list of 31 kings that just got pummeled uh, in the span of... Mm -hmm. As many verses. Yes. So uh then and, and it's like and then they had rest on every side, they had peace, the land had peace, there was peace, and then we get these We get a quick summary s- of yep. all the victories they did. Right. But like right at but, but
1: Functionally, right after the phrase, and the land had peace, we get this phrase. Now, Joshua was old and advanced in years. So, presumably, all those victories took the majority of Joshua's lifetime. Correct. So, he goes into the promised land as an older man because he was one of the two, only two men were allowed in the promised land from the previous generation, Mm -hmm. Joshua and Caleb. Right. I have some questions about Caleb coming up in a second. Good, yes. But, uh, so that means he would have been maybe in his 40s? I don't know. I mean... He was 40 years in the wilderness, and yep. he was with Moses on Mount Sinai. So he's got to be at least in his 50s. Yeah, he's he got to be at least at least 50. So there's like a good number of years if he's an old man and mm-hmm. about to die that it takes to take over the land. Yep. But regardless of that, uh, you are an old man, man, advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Yeah. So I thought the land had... Rest <laughs> and now it doesn't have rest because there's now very much light of possessed. Like, what's going on there? Or, like, what am I missing?
0: Yeah. So, what yeah. I,
1: I just like as a reader, I'm like, wait, wait, wait,
0: what? Yeah, I thought we were done. I thought we were done. Yes. Yeah. So, what's happening is you're butting up against what uh, you're butting against the core tension of the book of Joshua. Okay. And there have been little tiny signposts throughout okay. the book, but this one is the big grinding gear shift. That makes you uh get whiplash and okay and it's supposed to alert you to all the other signposts okay and and they're strewn throughout this whole six chapters so
1: what you're so what you're saying is because i think what i kind of assumed as i read it was they had rest restaurant in all the land from those enemies uh-huh and there's just more territory not to be con- there, that hasn't been conquered yet that's not an Indictment on Israel. It's just like, yep, there's only so much you can do in one man's lifetime. Correct. Okay. That's
0: exactly right, actually. Yeah, that's exactly right. But the tension, the core tension of the book, is there is this element of incompleteness to the conquest. Okay. And so it's like they 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 conquered, but like uh and and up to this point it seems like they utterly decimated, they utterly destroyed, they left none alive. But then here that language switches to, but they did not utterly drive out, but there still remained in habitations, but they did so, not completely take over
1: this kind of flag. So I remember listening to that several mm-hmm. times, this flags for you, uh, there's uh, remains very much land to possess. And then you hear the phrases like, uh, but they did not utterly drive out the whoever, the whoever's.
0: Okay. Yep. And some of that, and, and, and so it's really, it's gonna be really helpful here okay. to kind of talk about time. In Joshua okay and where we are in that time okay because it's a little confusing what's going to happen uh, with land allotments because when we think about land allotments when I first read this I was like and then Manasseh moved in to right. Manasseh's territory and right. Judah moved in to Judah's territory that's not what's happening here okay what's happening is that they have they have won several strategic battles around the land mm-hmm. but As happened in the... Hazor
1: was the capital of the Canaanite, mm -hmm, like civilization, essentially. Right, but as
0: what happened in the hill country, uh, whenever we talked about this last last podcast, um, Israel's forces went down into the south part of Canaan and won all these battles. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, the hill country where their base camp was started to have Canaanites in it again, and they had to Mm -hmm. go kind of retake that land. And so there's these migrating forces Mm -hmm. moving throughout this land that are like thorns and briars to Israel. Um, and that's what they're called in Deuteronomy, that this would happen. yeah. That just because you destroy one city, well, remember, a lot of those inhabitants probably fled right. as Israel was coming. Well, they come back home mm-hmm. or they move to other locations, but they're still there. yeah. And so there are still people in the land in little pockets. Now, right. there are whole swaths of land that they have successfully conquested and praise be to God, they did it. Right. right but there are still these outposts of Canaan
1: so okay so let me make sure I understand so when we get to this point of story we have several strategic military victories mm-hmm. that have happened mm-hmm. Pete not all Canaan Canaanites live in Canaan because God we're told that God drove them out right into the surrounding lands mm-hmm. maybe some of them came back yep there's apparently some battles where people just run away mm-hmm. and they the can't, can't catch up to them. And and we'll read about some battles where they weren't able to drive them out mm-hmm. in the first place. right? So there's just like, there's loose Canaanites hanging out. That's right. So that's part of it. And are you also saying that um, by the time Joshua dies, there have been tons of strategic military victories, but there are also a whole bunch of other smaller Villages, military outposts throughout the land of Canaan.
0: That need to be taken over.
1: By like regional authorities. That's right. Rather than a centralized government Mm -hmm. where Joshua does it all. Right. The individual tribal leaders are supposed to finish the job.
0: That's exactly right. 100%. So what's happening is he he will go to each tribe and say, here's the land that has been determined for you. And this is the boring part to read. He gives all its boundaries, right? And for us, it's really hard to follow. So it's helpful to read it with a map. It really is more helpful to read it with a map next to you. Um, And, but what's interesting is he says, okay, that tribe go take that parcel of land and what we're going to see is in this story that we're about to read is we're going to see how the different tribes react to his allotments and they Mm-hmm. It, they always bring up the fact that there are still inhabitants in that land, and they either um, respond with, like, faith, like we see Caleb do, mm-hmm. and he goes and takes the land. Okay. Or they reply with fear, like we're going to see Manasseh do, the half-tribe of Manasseh, and they uh, they, they, they fail to take the land. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to see, as Israel splinters and falls outside the leadership of Joshua— we're going to see them fail to finish what Joshua started Hmm. and that's, what's going to happen. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so so whenever he's giving them, I just, this, this is important. When he's giving them the inheritance, they are not moving in. He's giving them the next step in their battle strategy. Okay. So he's saying you, you tribe Manasseh, go fight here, right? Judah, go fight there. Gad, go fight here
1: with the intention of moving in as they take over.
0: That's right. You, you're going to move in, you're, and then you're going to see that there's a pocket of Canaanites that fled to the hills. Mm. Go, go conquer them. So that just doesn't
1: feel like rest, then,
0: right? So there's a difference, right, between um, all the main armies that would have been assailing Israel um, being defeated, yeah, and then like, and now they are kind of the superpower in the area. Okay. So that, like, if they just camped out in the in the hill country, no one would. Right. No one would would bother them. Right. You That's, know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they. So in like one one way to explain that is like, well, the the war is functionally over. Yes. Like uh like what's the like on D Day uh-huh. when the American troops landed uh at Normandy Beach. Right. The decisive victory against the Nazis was one. Yes. But it was, still took, what, another year? Yeah, they, before... had to, they still
0: had to go find Auschwitz. Yeah. You know, I don't know my chronology extremely well yeah. for World War II, but like...
1: But Victory in Europe Day wasn't declared, I don't think, until a year later. Right.
0: There's still all these little outposts that had to go. Or think of it kind of like the end of slavery, right? Yeah. And how, uh, like, Arlington... Or not Arlington. Uh, Emancipation Proclamation? No, no. Yeah, yes. But then the... Uh, Oh my goodness, this is the worst. What, I don't know what you're trying to say. Uh, Juneteenth is yes, what I'm yes, trying to think. Yes, yes. Juneteenth, like two years afterwards, yeah. the last slaves were actually given the information that the war was over and okay. slavery had been abolished. So this is kind of what's happening, is the, the Juneteenth needs to happen to the rest of Canaan. Like the, the news needs to go out. Well, I'm, I'm looking back now at mm-hmm. Joshua
1: 12:23, It says, so Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it past tense for an inheritance to israel according to their tribal allotments mm-hmm. which is what we're about to read that's right and the land had rest for war right so and the land had rest from war so in one sense i said like, okay in a general sense it's true it's mm-hmm. like the the decisive victory has been won mm-hmm. the war is over that's right there's some battles but the war is over right is that kind of one way to say it i definitely it? think that's fair um but it's still, seen, and I guess that's the tension you're talking about. That's that, the tension. That's but the, the, the war is not really over exactly. if there, all this stuff's happening. So yes. why say it's over yes. when it's not over?
0: Yeah, I think that is, that's the tension you're supposed to wrestle with in Joshua. That there is clear-cut God-given victory that's undeniable and miraculous, right? Yeah, the sun then, stands still. The sun stands <laughs> yeah. still. Like you cannot neglect or nullify the amount of victory God has given Israel. Like he has brought his people peace, he has given them the land, and like the reason why these statements of victory are so strong is because they are proving that God has been true to His word that He gave to Abraham and to Moses.
1: Yeah, through Israel, all the nations of the world will be blessed.
0: Right, or the, yeah. or or even more less less than the less than yeah. the missio dei, the mission of God going out. That's not really what we're doing here. Yeah, this is. I, that he promised Abraham the land of Canaan. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And so this is him saying, and I did it. I said I would do it, and I did it. I did it. And I gave like, it to you, the war's over, there's peace. Now go finish what I did, but it's up to you. And so this is this is exactly sense. the tension, that there is a strange harmony between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, God, like God fought the battle, yep. or won the war, but you fight the battle. Exactly, Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. and they were told to trust God whenever they would go into these battles. And we'll we'll see some examples of this. Um, And this will make more sense as we start to play it out in all its individual stories. Because there's all these little tiny stories in the middle of the land allotments um, that paint a really interesting picture for what was going on behind the scenes um, of this.
1: Okay, so in the land allotments, Mm -hmm. we are being given the tribal battle strategies after the death of a centralized leader, Joshua. Mm -hmm. Centralized leader, Joshua, dies... And, and I guess, in a sense, too, like, there was a special, like, mantle, like, of the Holy Spirit. Like, mantle is, like, a real charismatic word. But, like, <laughs> there was, like, we had this, set, this strong connection between Moses and Joshua that was, like, he was leading the people of Israel. Right. He, he was a spirit-filled leader. No one, no one, God never listened to the voice of Joshua like he did anybody else. The, and he won this battle. Yes. But now is that same Holy Spirit going out, that same anointing, that same, like, mantle of leadership going out to all the tribes? Is it supposed to?
0: Begging, I I, begging the question, Your Honor. A no, <laughs> <What>? no. <laughs> you're, le- you're leading. You're leading your witness here. Okay. But yes, uh, or no, I should say. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be told at the end of this book that Joshua cannot give his spirit to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like the the special anointing he has is not communicable to others by his own will, and and so yeah, there is a mantle, a leadership, an anointing that Joshua had that. Uh, once he died, things fizzled.
1: So, as you read through this book for a second or a third time, you should be thinking, "Man, there's so much stock put in the fact that Joshua was the new Moses. Mm-hmm. He was the one who, on whom was filled with the Holy Spirit, to lead his people. So, when you see like that leadership like democratized in a sense, like spread out over a whole bunch of people, that qu- that's a real question you should be asking. Like, mm-hmm. will that spirit continue? Will the victory continue? And what you're saying is like, as on reflection." It doesn't. Right. Like the the, the, the the consistent drumbeat of victory, 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 victory starts being broken as soon as other people besides Joshua start leading.
0: That's right. That's exactly okay. right. And okay. so uh, before we move into the individual stories, there's just one um, overarching meta note and gospel turn to make out of the land allotments um, in general. And that is, the, and that's why I keep harping on this fact that the land allotments were given um, before the land was owned. Like Mm. Manasseh was given the land of Manasseh before it was Manasseh's, you know? Like it doesn't make sense. And so the land allotments are an act of faith. Mm -hmm. He's saying to the tribe of Gad, I give da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and he gives it to them. He's like, that's yours, now go take it. And so God, uh, God, through Joshua, giving the land allotments to individual tribes is them claiming something in faith. And that is whenever they that whenever they are afraid to go take the land, Joshua reminds them, like, God's been faithful in battle in the past, he'll be faithful in the future. Have faith, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid. Yeah. And um and so like there's just that is that is something that like faith to take the land is a theme in the land allotments mm-hmm. that I don't want us to miss. Um because we're gonna see that it fails. Yeah. We're gonna see that they don't have faith. We're gonna see that in these stories. Um And that's going to be a clue to what happens later, that they will never fully drive out the the Canaanites. There will still be these pockets of people. Um, And uh, yeah. So from those broad
1: strokes then, Mm -hmm. how do we just see Jesus in the broad strokes of what's happening here and just land being... Yes. Like a victory that is largely accomplished or not quite accomplished. That's right. So (laughs) we we
0: have a term for that in New Testament thought, and that's inaugurated eschatology or the already and the not yet
1: jesus has already defeated the power of sin Mm -hmm. he's already defeated the finality of the grave yes but death and sin are still present that's right in the the land yeah yeah exactly
0: right so it's a huge this is why i love this picture because it's a huge biblical category that we live in a land that is conquered and that we have rest and peace on every side But there's still Canaanites in the land and there's still wars to be fought. What? This doesn't make sense because that's our Christian life. Like that's the life of a sojourner and a stranger who's following after God is living in the already and the not yet. But like what Jesus has done, like he's given us the decisive victory to which we can look back and know that he will win the next battle if we just have faith in him. Mm -hmm. Like we're supposed to look back to Jericho and know that he'll give us Manasseh. In the same yeah. way, we're supposed to look back to the cross and know that He will overcome any like struggle, death, sin, principality, principality power, in our life. Course. Yeah. Yes, he, he goes to war for us right. still. Like we and about last and time. Jesus has given us a new land allotment. He says the whole earth will be yours, mm-hmm. and not only that, but heaven will be yours because I will bring heaven to earth, and we will dwell together, and you will live on it with me. Mm-hmm. But we don't live there yet. And doesn't, uh, Paul talks about like ruling over angels. Uh Uh-huh, yep.
1: And isn't one of the parables that talks about like ruling over cities? Isn't there like,
0: oh or is that in Revelation? Uh, Yeah, you have to look that up. uh, But yes, the, the whole idea here is that we've been given new land allotments. And like Israel, we should seize them in faith. Like even though we don't yet live in the final promised land, we can have faith that we will. And that Jesus has won the decisive victory and will win the final battle to bring us into that promised place. Hmm. And so I just feel like wrestling with this strange feeling of the already and the not yet in Joshua of like there's peace on every side and we won all the wars, but there's still Canaanites in the land. That is just a helpful picture of what life is like. Hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a super helpful picture to think that it's like... the reality that Israel experienced in Can- in Canaan mm-hmm. isn't wasn't necessarily unique to them nope it's actually just unique to all people who trust in God that's right God has one decisive victories for us Jesus Christ dies and rises from the dead that's a pretty decisive victory decisive victory the sting of hell and the sting of, the sting of death mm-hmm. is gone right the condemnation of the enemy has no power right these are significant victories yes they <laughs> guarantee
0: are, the future victory
1: we have a holy spirit who is a seal in us yes of god's future blessing towards us like, <laughs> right. these are significant battles that have significant wars right that have been won yeah so our christian life is our skirmishes
0: right and it, and i think it, it's strange because you feel like if all this has happened right if jesus has really done all this for me the battle should be over Right? Right. And this is when people start doubting their faith, right? Or feeling like they're not saved or they are like the seed that's planted and is scorched in the sun that Jesus talked about and yeah. withers. Uh, is like we're, we're, we're given a rose-colored version of what being a disciple of Jesus looks like. Yeah. It's like actually, yes, the decisive victory has been won, but there's a not yet still. There's still mm-hmm. Canaanites in the land. There's still battles to be fought. And... um. That is a more helpful way to process life in Christ. And then I guess the good news
1: there then is, unlike Joshua who couldn't give his spirit Mm -hmm. to the 12 tribes, Jesus does give us his spirit. Mm -hmm. We can actually, the not yet is better news for us than it was for Israel. The not yet for Israel in this time period was go, have faith. And you'll be able to do it. No, you right. won't. <laughs> right. For us, it's go. You'll be able to do it. Yes, you will. You're right. filled with the same spirit that mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. filled with. Um, yeah. So, what does it look like? So, like, make it a little bit more concrete for mm-hmm. me. Like, how should I be thinking? Like, is all are all battles with sin? Like, is my personal battle with anger mm. an enemy territory? Right, like, is, that, is
0: that the way I should be thinking about that? That is one of the ways you should be thinking about it. <laughs> is Absolutely, that the way, is that
1: way Joshua reflect Jesus' reflection on Joshua? Had, tell me to think about that.
0: I, I think so. I think uh, I think at least the New Testament reflects on it that way. That there is sin that needs to be beat, mm-hmm. and that he he dismantled sin and our enemy. You know, yeah. Uh, and so yes, there is there are internal. I think the psalmist talk, thought about this. Like, yeah. search me, O God, know my heart. See if there's any. You know, unrighteousness in me, you know, like test me. I want to find out the outpost of sin in my heart. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's just a strictly New Testament idea. Um, So, yes, we should we should see our battle for sanctification and our desire to look more like Jesus as war against the flesh and the devil.
1: Hmm. Which is what Paul says in yep. Ephesians six ten. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, put on the armor of God because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but like right. that's, that's new Testament. That's King James version. It's that's not King carnal. James. Watch out. Watch uh, out. But yes,
0: but there's other, there's other things too, like fighting uh, injustice in the world and fighting mm-hmm. um, real spiritual enemies as they oppress people. Other people, yeah, I demonization guess. or anything like that.
1: Because that makes sense a little more sense to me in this context. Because there's a sense like there's internal enemy. The fact that these le- these deputized leaders didn't have the Holy Spirit, right, and they couldn't be the faithful leaders that God wanted to, uh-huh. to be. But there was another sense that they they were going out and outside of them was were kingdoms of oppression, kingdoms of lawlessness, right. kingdoms of child sacrifice, kingdoms of cult prostitution that they were going into to dismantle. That's right. And so we too, filled with the spirit this mm-hmm. time, can go into those same kingdoms in our world with the hope of victory unlike any character in the Old Testament except maybe Joshua mm-hmm. had.
0: Yep, absolutely right. And the only reason is because the decisive mm-hmm. victory has already been won in the cross. Okay. Right, just like Yeah. they're yeah. told to be strong and courageous because of God's past victories. Now they can be victorious now. So let's uh, look at some of the like shorter... Can I say one more Story. thing? You yes, can. I, I, I
1: was like, I want to look at this first verse too, but you keep making me think about <laughs> um, the idea that we are deputized leaders mm. in the land to go and take yes. unconquered territory. Mm-hmm. So that is a New Testament idea. So Revelation five ten, and He has made us. Unto our God, kings and priests, mm. and we shall reign on the earth, in the new heavens and the new earth. Right. We also have, like, um, in Ephesians, uh, he has seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus um, like Romans 5:17 we shall reign in life by the one man Jesus mm. Christ. Um, I'm also thinking about um like the parable of the minas in Luke 19 where the the pe- the people the the people in the parable are given like one mina or five minas oh, or right. 10 or minas or like
0: people might be like the parable of talents. The parable of talents. Right. Yes yes yeah. yes.
1: And uh the reward for stewarding their talents is how well, many cities they get. Is how many cities they get? That's right. So Think about it, like, project with me, okay, already not yet, but what happens when the not yet comes?
0: Right. Thy kingdom come.
1: When the kingdom comes, what does our rulership look like yes. of the new heavens and the new earth?
0: Right. Which is, was the original call of man, and we'll get there. That's how this land allotments end. Okay. The land allotments end with repeating the Edenic king command that was given to Adam to subdue the land and rule it. And so like you're on the, you're sniffing yeah. like, on the I'm, right trail. I'm getting, getting there. You really are. And I'm also, while we're using the New Testament to reflect here, I'm also thinking of the 70 disciples that Jesus sent out. Yeah. Right. Which was. A um,
1: representation of the 70 nations. The 70
0: nations. At for, the Tower of Babel. That's right. And uh, which you can, if you guys are going and looking this up, there's a translation issue in some of your Bibles, which means there might be a discrepancy in the number. But oh, yeah, it's 70 the same. or seventy-two. Yeah, year, yeah, yeah, but it's the same. It's the same. And uh, yeah, and so like they were they were going as uh, repeating really mm-hmm. the story of Joshua to yeah. go and take over enemy cities. Yeah, with the good news of Jesus, and like it wasn't war that time, right? Yeah, it was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near.
1: Or uh, revelation five and revelation seven around the throne of god are people from every tribe mm-hmm. language nation and tongue like mm-hmm. the like the not yet soon every nation will be conquered with the good news of jesus yes yeah uh, that's good news that's good news yeah and I, i'm super interested like what does that mean to like rule cities in the new heaven like, to right be nation of kings it's another
0: way to look at the world from a missions standpoint is that there are still pockets of the world, one, who are unreached people groups, who have never heard the name Jesus, right? That's unconquered territory that we need to take yeah. the good news to. Or two, while we've gone to these other places, there are there are cities that we used to inhabit that used to be strongholds for mm-hmm. Christianity that are now completely devoid of Christian values, you know, yeah. like the progressive West, you know, yep. like you think of Europe, America. Just America. <laughs> yeah. You just think there are these, core cities that have some of the most famous churches in the world in them that are just museums now yeah and it's like yeah enemies move back in and like it's Mm. unconquered territory Mm. that we need to move evangelistically you know right so anyway there's a lot to reflect on apparently here and we haven't even gotten past the first verse of chapter 13 (laughs) so let's move on Okay, so uh, Joshua starts not by making his own allotments that he has for the tribes, but by repeating the allotments that Moses originally gave before they entered yeah. Canaan.
1: Okay, which is on the other side of the Jordan River, not in the land of Canaan technically. That's right. But the, when he defeated Sihon and Og, uh, those lands were taken over, and several tribes, before they went into the land, wanted to stay there because it was better for their cattle, Right.
0: Uh yes. Yeah. Gad, Reuben, and the half and one half tribe of Manasseh, which is very important. That comes up. Okay. They wanted to stay on the west side of the Jordan. When you
1: say the one half tribe, you just mean half the people in the tribe of Manasseh. That's right. Okay. So half half of Manasseh. Half
0: of Manasseh wanted to stay on the west, half decided to go in. Okay. And that's it. That's all you need to know. Um, And so then Joshua starts to break up the land inside and and repeats what moses talked about outside the land so when it says like east of the jordan right that means outside the land and you're talking about reuben gad and the half tribe of manasseh i hope i'm getting that right yeah. <laughs> and then you're uh and then inside the land you're talking about everybody else okay uh including the other half of manasseh yes and their brother ephraim so
1: let me ask you a question before we move okay. on here too so caleb gets mentioned here yes so caleb's the only other man from the previous generation in the wilderness that Comes in, yes, and he makes a special request. He does. of his land, yes. and he's granted it, mm-hmm. and he gets the land where the Anakim were. Yes, so the, spe- the 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 unique spiritual enemies of the people of God. That's right,
0: the descendants of the Nephilim. Yeah,
1: the descendants. Of the, so I was like, well, is it is it significant that he is one of the only faithful tribes of Israel, and these are the, the darkest spiritual enemies in the land?
0: That's like, a, yes, absolutely okay. right. And he's old. Yeah. Like he's old Uh, and he uses his sons to fight. Mm -hmm. But we, we are told that God is honoring the past faith of Caleb. If you remember, this is the story way back in numbers when Israel first came to Canaan and Joshua, Caleb and 10 other spies go into the land and they see the Anakim, Mm -hmm. they see the giants, Mm -hmm. they see the spiritual descendants of the Nephilim, and they're terrified. They run out, and the ten, besides Joshua and Caleb, spread gossip about how they'll never be able to take over the land, but Joshua and Caleb want to be faithful and trust God and take the land. And so Joshua is elevated to this position that we've seen him inhabit the whole book. But what about Caleb? Right. This is Caleb's moment. Got it. So God is honoring Caleb's past faithfulness by... I can't really say ironically, more like appropriately letting him finally do battle with the Anakim that he was not afraid of in the first in the first place.
1: I love this verse. He's an old man, right? Yes. Verse 11, I am still as strong today as uh-huh. I was in the day that Moses sent me. That's my right. My strength now is as my strength was then for right. war and for going and for coming.
0: Yes. And anyway. whenever you read, just, just this is helpful to know, when you read going out and coming in for going and for coming, that means I'm still able to go to war. Okay. It's just helpful to know because yeah. it's a, it's a it's in your Hebrew Bible a lot. Yeah, I've seen it a lot. Okay, uh, so yeah, this is just God being showing His past faithfulness mm. uh, to Caleb, and it's also showing that like it's the first story. This is really important. It's the first story of land allotments realized, right? So it, it uh-huh. it's first given to Caleb mm-hmm. because he was the only other faithful spy, and he's old, and he's given the hardest territory to conquer, and it works. So he's supposed to set up the paradigm, right? Mm-hmm. He is the paradigm of faithfulness, the paragon of faithfulness. Yeah. He uh, goes to the hardest territory, trusts God, and takes the land. And whenever he feels like he needs a little extra land, what does he do? Does he go and whine about it to Joshua? No, he goes and conquers more enemy territory. Hmm. And that's how the land grows. Hmm. So that's thats we're going to butt up against that over and over again in the land allotment stories.
1: And just, uh, I forgot about this, but his name, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite said right. to him. So he's actually, he has a, he's an ancestor, not, he's, a, he's, a, he's not just Hebrew, he's Hebrew and Canaanite. Right. Can, the Kenizzites were a Canaanite tribe, yes. but now he's part of the land of Israel taking land for God's kingdom. Right. That probably
0: happened way back in Egypt, whenever Egypt was conscripting slaves from multiple nations. And when God started acting in Israel or in Egypt Mm -hmm. with the plagues and Exodus, it wasn't just Israel he redeemed, but we're also told there was a mixed multitude, that God was redeeming oppressed people groups of all stripes under the fist of Pharaoh. Which goes
1: back to Abraham's promise that he would bless the whole world through uh, Israel. That's exactly right. Not only by like... Um, native foreigners. Yes. Like, but also by the fact that God's kingdom in the world would be better for the people in that land than the rule of the Canaanites would have been.
0: That's right. Okay. That's absolutely right. And so, yeah, Joshua, or it's not Joshua, but Caleb sets up like a really interesting paradigm for us that um, everyone else should follow. Uh, yeah, and it, it
1: repeated, <laughs> and the land had rest from war mm-hmm. at the very end of his land allotment. Okay.
0: Yes. Uh, and then the next uh group that's highlighted you have caleb first Mm -hmm. as an individual representation but then the most space that is given in the land allotments is given to the tribe of judah and it's also the first tribe that's given its allotment,
1: and it's the tribe that the Messiah will come from. That's right. It's the promised. It's the promised. It's the tribe. promised.
0: Yeah. And so this is continuing a theme of overemphasizing the tribe of Judah throughout the Torah. Okay. So you have it really first prominently in Jacob blessing his twelve sons at the end of Genesis, mm-hmm. and Jacob, otherwise known as Israel, he spends an inordinate amount of time blessing his son, Judah.
1: Oh, so it's like a repetition. And of that so the of inordinate like amount of
0: time is given to the land allotment, honoring Jacob's blessing, but ultimately honoring what will come out of this tribe. Okay. Uh, this was also repeated in numbers at the beginning of numbers. When the tribes are arranged around the tabernacle, Judah, even though he's not the firstborn, wasn't the strongest, wasn't the most populated. Judah's tribe was given the place of prominence, um, at the mouth of the tabernacle. And
1: okay. they would
0: also be the first ones to march out. And Mm -hmm. so constantly the Bible is showing us that Judah's tribe has prominence. Okay. And and exactly because this is the chosen chosen tribe from which Jesus will come.
1: I also think it's interesting that you have Caleb who's elevated because of his faithfulness and his obedience, Mm -hmm. and then you have Judah who's elevated not because of their faithfulness or obedience, but because of... Their chosenness. Right. So you have both of those themes like elevated side by side at the beginning. Anyway. Yeah, okay, faithfulness
0: and it. chosenness. Those go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's happening there. And, can can yep. I ask a question mm-hmm. here?
1: So in chapter 19, the, when the tribe of Simeon is given its land, oh, okay. it's given land inside of the land of Judah.
0: Yes. There's a little circle. If you look uh, at a map, there's yeah. a little circle inside of Judah's land that Simeon's given.
1: So it's not that Ju- like Simeon and judah co-ruled the land but there's like a little like uh landlocked section mm-hmm. that simeon owns that is swallowed by judah yeah
0: it's like here in oklahoma city like you could drive through oklahoma city and then all of a sudden you're in a small little island of principality called the village and then you're in uh, nichols hills or and then like you're in bethany N-
1: native american like territories that's, that's right that's probably a better like, analogy. yeah that's a little, yeah. a little
0: stronger of a divide yeah uh, so like yes it's that okay. it's not that judah is cohabitating it's or the- i think
1: about botswana
0: Oh yes,
1: like Botswana is this like tiny little coin of a yeah. of a land in the middle? Is it is it Sierra Leone down there? No, what's Botswana? I'm yet? really anyway.
0: I'm I'm awesome at African no, it's geography. A, it's, it's,
1: it's in the middle of South Africa. Okay. Botswana is in the middle of South Africa. Am I right? I, I, so, somebody will correct
0: me. Someone will one of, correct you. What of my you. South
1: Af- our South African listeners will correct? They're just
0: answer. shaking their head right now. We actually have several in I'm South pretty, Africa. I'm pretty
1: sure Sierra Leone's farther north. They're gonna, They're um, so
0: mad at us right now. Uh, anyway, anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, uh, so you have the story of Judah, and and then and everything's kind of going well, and then you get the story of Ephraim and Manasseh, and so um, oh
1: no, it's not Botswana. Oh, okay, it's a Lesotho. Lesotho uh-huh. is is the little coin in oh. the middle of South Africa. Botswana, it's a it's this whole it's a whole different thing. It's surrounded by Namibia, Angola, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. Oh, but not the same. Yes, if you're looking for a great, easily <laughs> applicable universe to live in simeon was like lesotho to (laughs) judah's south africa
0: everyone was dying for that illustration (laughs) everybody
1: was dying for it and i just gave it to them.
0: man they are just thanking you you're so welcome (laughs) Uh, okay now we get the story of ephraim and manasseh and this is where things start to get a little more hairy now there's some hairy stuff in judah but i'm not going to pick that apart right now um the emphasis there is their obedience yeah Yeah. right Um, and so uh manasseh is the half tribe Manasseh that's coming into the Jordan, west of the Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, into the land of Canaan is given their territory, but they bring a complaint to Joshua and they say, well, th- this land's not big enough for us. And Joshua replies, yes, it is. You just have to take it all over. <laughs> like the reason why it's not big enough is because there's enemies to be conquered and you take their land after you drive them out. And they say, yeah, but they have chariots of iron and there's no way we can, we can conquer Which- them. He's like, just have faith, right,
1: yes, which you has can. already happened. Which interesting, like there's the chariot theme in the last battle. That's right. We talked about interesting. Okay. Yeah,
0: and so they refuse to have, like, to have faith in God, and we're told that later on they have they fail to capture that part of the land. And this is something to emphasize here: is that as you read through the land allotments, you are going to hear this constant refrain over and over and over again. And be like, and they took this. And they took this land, and they took this piece of land, but they did not utterly drive out blank, 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 or they did not completely take the land of blank. Were you
1: seeing that here? I'm sorry, I'm looking oh, I'm, I'm not so, even looking at my Bible, honestly. Oh.
0: Uh, but it's going to be you're so gonna, coming to soon. So, like you you're going to see this multiple times with multiple different tribes, not just with Manasseh. It oh, starts here it is, uh, chapter
1: seventeen, verses thirteen. Now, when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. That's right. Um, Now, let me ask you a question about that. I have a question there. So forced labor. Mm -hmm. The Gibeonites are under forced labor, right?
0: Yes, but that was through a covenant, right?
1: Uh, Well, well, I guess I have two questions. Okay. So the Gibeonites were put... Is forced labor the same thing the Gibeonites are doing? No. Or is this a version of like slavery that this we're
0: is ta- this is slavery that we're okay. talking about here?
1: Because the Gibeonites are saying, hey, we'll be your water we'll like we'll work uh-huh. th- we'll be your laborers. Right. We'll, like, you'll, we'll, be your, we'll do the your, grunt work. We'll be your lower your
0: lower class. Yeah, your, but that was a covenant. Lovers. They came and yeah, okay. offered to do that. They weren't uh uh unwillingly conscripted to that role in in mm. society. Um but that's not the only so like there's an argument that could be made that's like it's the same thing. Drive them out, enslave them, whatever. But there's going to be other times that we're told that, the, that they just failed to dr- drive them out. At Not, the
1: very least, drive out means they shouldn't be in the land anymore. Exactly. And so the fact that they're in the land, even though they're slaves, doesn't fulfill the spirit or the letter of the law. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly
0: right. Because even as forced laborers, they're still going to worship their Canaanite gods, and that is the fear. Uh, that yeah. that that the people should have is that they're going to continue to worship these these wrong gods. Uh, anyway, and so that is what's going to happen again and again and again throughout this okay. section is that they fail to utterly drive out the people. Um, and this is like something I just I think is a really beautiful like biblical worldview to live in mm-hmm. for a second is to think about the ways that Israel. Um, The law, our own efforts, uh, any kind of social agenda always leaves pockets of unaccomplished mission. (laughs) Like Mm. there's always something left undone when it's our efforts. Um, Israel leaves parts of the land unconquered. The law, uh, no one can perfectly keep all of it. There's one section that's broken, therefore all of it's null and void. Um, you know, we can think about things. It's like, man, I did my, I, I did my workout plan every day, except one day this week. And mm-hmm. that just makes me feel completely defeated. So I stop it in one week two. Right. You know, like yeah, there's yeah. always these pockets of unconquered territory. And I just love that the story of Jesus, like he, he leaves no territory unconquered. Mm-hmm. There's no pocket of sin or death or, uh, evil that he will not ultimately route out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just. I love yeah. that promise of God. He's the,
1: he's the better tribe of Manasseh. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly right. Um, um, yeah, and that's because he's also the newer and better Caleb who does go and take on the enemies no one else will. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's the new he's the new and better Judah who faithfully— he's from the tribe of Judah. Yeah, who, yeah, he's from the tribe of Judah who not only takes over a huge part of land that he was given showing his faithfulness mm-hmm. but also takes over the entire territory of the world whenever he comes—
1: it it makes me think too, just like how central like a version of trust is in the Christian life. Yeah. That I just don't know if I I, I meditate on. It's like the victory in battle was tied to their trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what a trusting battle plan looks like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know the ratio of trust to strategy, strategy or like the number of chariots i need <laughs> and the number of hours of prayer i need like i don't yeah. know quite how to like parse that out yeah but what i think is so but what what i'm messing with there or trying to figure out is like how do i like assume or think through my faith in jesus my my trust my confidence in jesus as i go into these unconquered territories whether that's like My job or like my friend that I want to see saved or like the social injustice cause that I'm trying to like, how do I think about, is it, I mean, I guess on a a really basic level it's like, well, if you know that some measure of your strategy and God's action are required, Hmm. you should at least pray. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is that, is that, I mean, is that like a really simple takeaway?
0: That is that is definitely a simple takeaway. <laughs> that is absolutely true. We should at least be praying. Um, I think that's two things that you made me think of. One is Seth and I, beh- behind the scenes behind or the off scenes. the air, we talk about we how... We have
1: lives off the air?
0: We do, actually. I t- People don't know <laughs> this. People
1: don't. I don't know this.
0: Seth and I like to cook together. It's true. Anyway, um, so uh, one of our favorite ways to talk about faith is to talk about as trust mm-hmm. it's our favorite synonym for the word faith yeah our other is probably allegiance but mm-hmm. that's so, totally different yeah yeah bent but the idea of trust we'll is set
1: our watches by <laughs>
0: yeah we set our watches by yeah <laughs> Jesus, we have dude. too many we have too <laughs> many, <laughs> many synonyms for faith uh, but our favorite is trust and um yeah and, and so as i've been thinking about I, I've, I've been going through this like real personal renewal with prayer right now in my own life and i had to really wrestle through um Petitioning God for things like asking God for things Um, like you felt
1: bad I felt
0: bad like because my I feel like a lot of my youth group time and even some of the books I read in my seminary days were like hey God's not a vending machine don't just push a one and think he'll give you a coke I'm like yeah "Yeah, that's true but also like he delights us for us to cast our burdens on him Mm -hmm. and like anything we ask in his name will happen you know like yeah he loves to hear our requests why because they show that we are leaning on him, that we are trusting in him, that we need a crutch. Mm -hmm. And like, he loves to be trusted on, like, you know he loves to be leaned upon. And so like, now whenever I pray that God would help me with something here at Spoken Gospel or with my family or whatever. A decision we have to make. A decision we have to make, uh, you know, like we're praying about someone who we're hoping will offer some funding for a a nonprofit. It's like, when I take that to God, it's, it's like it's just an act of trust, an act of faith, saying, like, God, I can make the call and send the email and build the report, but I need you to do something. Mm-hmm. And, like, God delights in that yeah. trust.
1: I'm also thinking about how frequent the command to not be afraid mm-hmm. and to be strong and courageous is in here and how many of our decisions are made based out of fear.
0: Yes, or
1: uh, anxiety or mm-hmm. a fear of losing something or a fear of the future or wondering what's gonna happen next time and like how like if you were to if you were to catalog all the decisions you made for the people in your life, the organization that you work for, the people that you're responsible for, how many of those decisions were made out of fear of a future consequence, mm-hmm. or anxiously protecting yourself from experiencing something negative. Um, and we, I would probably have to say, well, probably a lot of them right and so one another way to think about the land allotment text and the commands of the lord is like no trusting in the lord praying to the lord taking back the kingdom like taking land for the kingdom Mm -hmm. is doing it unafraid and unanxiously right it's like no pray until you make the decision without fearing for the future
0: yeah that's good like how do i know when i've prayed enough when god like hurls hailstones from the sky (laughs) (laughs) maybe But probably whenever you can make a decision that's unanxious and unafraid. Hmm. That's helpful. Yeah. I think that's helpful. Anyway. Yeah. It's like a. Huge hop, skip, and a jump from this text, I think. <laughs> but it's appropriate to talk about trusting God to win battles in life. Right, like, that's it, what's well, happening that's, here. What's
1: ha- that's the failure that we keep exactly. seeing. To they're yeah. failing to trust God. They're more anxious and nervous about the Canaanites, that's so right. they try to make all these. plans we'll, we'll enslave them instead of going to battle with them. Exactly, we can make some kind of deal, and it's not going to be. It's going to be fine. We're yeah. going to hedge our bets, and we'll be okay. No, we don't need to make a decision out of fear. Leading to slavery, yeah. We can make one out of like (laughs) trust and faith that God is fighting for us,
0: leading to freedom and peace. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, a lot of a lot of the ways we should be reflecting on the gospel here, uh, we've kind of already articulated about like trust, trust what Jesus has done in the past to know what He'll do in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think there's like an interesting uh, thing to meditate on here, since we've talked a lot about faith. We've we've talked about that Jesus mm-hmm. like has won the victory in the past; so mm-hmm. it'll secure one in the future. There's this scarcity mindset that Manasseh and the other tribes have when they okay. bring their complaints to Joshua that they don't have enough land. They're like, "The land's not big enough for us." Um, and and his response is, "Yes, it is. Just go take more of it." You know, right? And so it's fear, but there's a scarcity mindset, and I love this uh, idea, and I I'm totally skipping over everything to get to this little beautiful picture that I love, (laughs) but I love the idea that when Jesus returns and claims the whole earth as his own, um, there will be no scarcity of land Mm. because it will all be conquered. You know, like there will, we we will not look at the plot of land that we're given and be like, Oh, it's not big enough for me, you know, or, um, I'm scared of what's on the other side of that fence.
1: Right, I just bought another house. Like, man, I man, I'd love a little bit more space for my garden. Like, uh-huh. I won't ever think that. Right, again. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: And it's just like, I don't know if that's a self-serving thought or yeah. whatever, but God clearly desires peace for his people.
1: Well, I mean, think, how you know, much
0: like, conflict is driven by
1: the acquisition oh, totally. of
0: land? like All of it? Yeah,
1: all, like, uh, all <laughs> of it. The, the control of a water supply. Yep. War. Like, like yep. the fact that there will always be enough land.
0: Yeah, there it will always be enough
1: the land itself will be enough and that there will always be enough land means most of the reason for war is gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is just makes me happy, Yeah, which is like good news. That's just good news to me that God, when like in the kingdom of Jesus, when he returns, there is no scarcity. Mm-hmm. Like his allotments are perfect and they're given to us completed. You know, like I just love that. Yeah. And I think it sets up our next category really, really well. Our last section, our final category. Okay, so in 18 to 19, we get this really kind of funny statement in classic Joshua style. Um, he's going to spend three chapters talking about one tribe, you know, and then two chapters talking about the other seven, you know. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> and noticed so, that too. So 18 verse 2, chapter 18 verse 2, there remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. And they're going to be given their their allotments in two chapters. And like a lot of... Uh, I'm looking at the the tribe of Issachar is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven verses. <laughs> you know, it's just really quick. But here is what's happening in this section that should blow your mind. Okay. Is there's a reason why it's built this way.
1: Built as five and seven?
0: Uh, yes. Okay. There's a reason. And that reason is not because Issachar didn't have any cool stories. You know, it's because God wants us to see that there are these seven tribes remaining that will take over the land as a picture of the seven days of creation, because we've been harping on this whole thing that Canaan is the new Eden and they're bringing new creation. And we've even seen parallels to the story of Genesis played out in different ways throughout the story of Joshua and the conquest. And so here you have, just as you had in creation, you had seven days of creation ending yeah. in rest. Now you have seven tribes allotments, which will end in the rest for all Israel. Hmm. And so it's just like a beautiful literary picture of what God is ultimately up to with the land allotments. And so what this should do, it shouldn't force us to go like, oh, cool number connection, David. Right. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is that the, that God is telling us why any of this matters. Like, why why do the land allotments matter? Why should this cause you to stop and think and meditate on these on these six difficult chapters? Well, it's because God wants to recreate Eden among us. Mm-hmm. Like this is a humongous theme in the Bible that will help you understand mm-hmm. it really well yeah. and will give you hope. And we'll bring you peace, we'll help you feel on mission. We'll like it's such a core theme to the Bible that it and, and so since right, Joshua right. 18 and 19 is forcing us to think about it, yeah. I just want us to meditate on that for a second.
1: We that the New Eden is already is already
0: not, and not yet. And not yet. And yeah, exactly right. And so like here, let's just like in this context, Israel and their twelve tribes, highlighted in these last seven, are meant to bring Uh, the new Eden with God. And this is really... Bless
1: all the nations of the
0: earth through Mm -hmm.
1: the land, through their ownership of the land of Canaan. That's right. Uh,
0: And this is highlighted here. This is... It's not only the number seven that sets this up for us. Also, that was 18 verse two. Mm -hmm. 18 verse one highlights that as well so check this out. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land lay subdued before them. So there's two things to notice here. One is that the tent of the meeting, uh, tent of meeting is set up, the tabernacle, God's presence is in the land. Mm -hmm. This is the hope of Eden, that God would have a place to dwell with us in the land. And then two is this word, the land laid subdued before them, is a repeat of the command given to Adam in chapter one of the bible fill the earth Earth. and subdue Subdue it it. they they filled it they they (laughs) they subdue the earth and now they're going to fill it that's what the land allotments are this is a fulfillment of the command given to adam in chapter one of the bible Hmm. is now the land lay subdued before them now land allotments go fill them with seven days of creation and then have peace like this is supposed to this right here is where genesis one this could this could be the end of the story almost yeah. You know, like it feels yeah, like it could yeah, be yeah. the end of the story. It's not because they failed to bring rest. Right. But it feels like it could be.
1: Yeah. And it makes me think, too, I, was like, I don't think about like there being moments of subduing happening that push the, this new Eden project forward. hmm and so I think it's really, to think about Jesus's battle with death and sin as a subduing moment. It's yes. like death has been subdued.
0: The land of the grave. Has been... The con- soil <laughs> inside the grave. been conquered. Yes.
1: Sin itself has been subdued in a powerful way, even though its presence is still mm-hmm. there. Now go and fill the subdued land. Right. As what Paul calls us, new creations mm-hmm. to go and bring Eden as we exist on the earth.
0: Yes. exactly right Hmm. so just like israel here is kind of redoing eden this is also how the bible wants us to see jesus so like Mm -hmm. when we're introduced to jesus in the in the gospel of john it starts in genesis 1 in the beginning yeah yeah yeah. was what well god spoke was the word and the word was god the word was with god right and then he set up his what his tabernacle this is mm-hmm. this is Joshua yeah. 18 again. Yeah yeah yeah. The Tabernacle of the Lord is coming repeating the beginning of yeah. the Bible. So like and then, John one is not yeah. only a reflection on Genesis one; it's also a reflection mm-hmm. on Joshua eighteen.
1: Yeah, which and is then really Jesus interesting as a new Joshua mm-hmm. who has the same name as him.
0: They're both are both their names were <laughs> Yeshua. Yes, he goes out and wins decisive victories. Exactly right. He goes and he drives out demons. He heals diseases and ultimately conquers sin mm-hmm. and death on on the cross and in his resurrection. Uh, and then, then this is my favorite part. Uh, there is another part of the Bible that has land allotment text in it. Uh, Bible trivia. Uh, I mean Can you think of it? I
1: I was, Matthew 28.
0: Okay, that's that's a, that, that would be like a recommissioning of this Joshua moment. I would I would say that's, a, like fair, a, that's yeah, a fair it's fair connection. it's like
1: go in all the earth and Go in all the earth. Yeah. There
0: are there's land to be taken, yeah, yeah. but there's actually like land allotment and like a lot of the same language given. It's in the Old Testament okay. and it's in the book of Ezekiel. Okay. And Ezekiel has this vision of the new heavens and the new earth, or as he saw it, the new Jerusalem, and all this language gets picked up and amplified in at the end of Revelation, okay. and so Ezekiel sees this new Jerusalem, and in 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 it he is this is in Ezekiel forty seven if you want to go look at it, and uh, he sees all the all of Israel goes and gets their own land again, and everyone's allotted their portion, but this but there's no enemies, and the city's a fortress with unscalable walls and they have peace on every side.
1: Hmm.
0: But that's not fulfilled in Israel's history. That's... This is what Jesus will bring, uh, as promised by John's vision at the end of Revelation, hmm. that Jesus brings the the land allotments that that yeah. that Joshua predicated, that Ezekiel foresaw, that Jesus bought, he ultimately brings at the end of time with his return. He allots the land to us, and he will look at his chosen people who have been faithful to him and put their trust in Jesus. He will look at them and say, I have subdued the earth, go and fill it. And we will fill the new heavens and the new earth with the allotted land that our savior has won for us. Like, well, that's, that's it's the whole story yeah, of the Bible yeah, yeah, yeah. in one theme. <laughs> it's so cool. So it's like, what seems like a really dull and difficult portion of scripture is yeah. actually a k- kind of the whole story. <laughs> like amazing. land allotment yeah. is the is the salvation. Like yeah. land allotment is the gospel right. that God is winning earth back for himself and giving it to his faithful people that's the gospel story Mm. like we it's not just personal salvation where we are made okay with god that's a huge part of it yeah but like god is winning the world the the dirt right the crust the core the stars like god is winning a universe Mm. for us to live in with him forever he's subduing it so that we can fill it he's Mm. he's he's accomplished in his death and resurrection and will and will ultimately bring to fulfillment in his second return what he said should happen in Genesis 1. Mm. Fill the earth and subdue it. It's happening. And like Joshua 18 proves that God's always been about this project.
1: It's pretty cool. It's so cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that's spoken gospel.
0: <laughs> land allotments. I love it. That's I just think, really amazing. Yeah. So I was mad at you for originally giving me this assignment to study the land allotments. And then you discovered the but gospel. But it's and so the land beautiful. It's amazing. So, uh thank you guys for listening How, what
1: was our runtime time on this one this is
0: it, it, it we're under an hour
1: oh under an hour if, as long as
0: we don't last too long because we're, we're barely under we're- an hour <laughs>
1: Well, thank you guys for sticking with us. and congratulations on making it the land allotments. It's best news I've heard all day.
0: You guys are the superstars. if you made it this far. Uh,
1: please review us. Uh, and leave us a review on uh, iTunes. We'd love it. It's how other people can learn about the land allotment. Gospel.
0: True. let's be fair. if they made it this long, they've already left a review. these are <laughs> these are the diehards that are that are still here.
1: But if you want other people to learn about the gospel and the land allotments, you really, gotta tell people about it it's true
0: (laughs) yeah thank you guys for listening and make sure if you have
1: questions oh yes oh thank you
0: yeah if you have any questions send them to podcast at spokengospel.com about the book of joshua or anything and we'll we'll try to do a joshua q a so all right well we'll see you next week for cities of refuge and the land given to the levites who weren't supposed to have land what cliffhanger is it i don't know it is for a bible nerd (laughs) but there you go all right well thank you guys for joining us and we will see you next week Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.